0: out into the world with action. Following your legacy with perseverance with Bobby Rydell. Hi everybody, it's Diane here at Someone Gets Me and I have a great guest for us today. And what a legacy and what a story Bobby Rydell was like a teen idol before boy bands were even known about or thought of, right? Like, how cool is that to be such a forerunner that decades later people think of things like that? And Bobby's giving us his time today to share some of his wisdom about his own personal legacy. So welcome to the show, Bobby. I'm so glad you're here with us today.
1: Thank you ever so much, Diane. My pleasure.
0: Oh, this is so fun. And my first question is, how old were you? when you knew you were a musician? Was, was it very young or how did that all start? Like, how, were
1: you? Well, okay, yeah, sure. When I was five years old, my dad, God rest his soul, he loved big bands and he wanted to expose me to big band music at a very early age. I mean, you know, he, he listened to Dorsey and Tex Beneke and Artie Shaw, Benny Goodman, so on and so forth. So he took me to see the Benny Goodman band at a place called the Earl Theater. And I I wasn't aware of big bands, but my father wanted to expose me to that kind of music. So we went to see Benny Goodman and I was amazed, you know, that was the first time I saw like four trumpets and four trombones and five saxophones and a full rhythm section. And it was absolutely wonderful, but I told my father, I said, there's one guy in the band, Daddy, that I want to be him. I want to be that guy and that guy was the drummer and the drummer was gene Wow. okay who was you know one of the greatest drummers uh, that our history has ever known in the music industry so i started playing drums when i was five years old and then my dad when i was like seven eight years old he used to take me around to nightclubs Because if I had any talent within me whatsoever, my dad was the first one to see it. So he would take me around the clubs and ask the club owner, is it okay if my son got up to sing a couple of songs and do some impersonations? So I I would get up seven, eight years old and people would applaud. And being seven, eight years old, I say, oh, my God, all I have to do is do this and they do that. What a wonderful feeling. So that's basically how it all started. And that was because of my dad.
0: Oh, that is that is amazing. My mom was a concert pianist and we were my brother and I were exposed Ah. to big bands, Tony Dorsey, the whole bit from the time we were very young and she played classical music on the piano as we went to bed when we were children. And it still sticks with me today, the power of those bands. And so when you're, when you're telling oh, the story, yeah. I'm getting goosebumps. I totally could see this <laughs> little boy going, I want to be the drummer. You were like my brother. He yeah. wanted to be the drummer. I wanted to be the um, xylophone player. I thought the xylophones were fun, but
1: oh, that, that, it's a wonderful instrument. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And my yeah. brother was a drummer. So did was your drumming like um, a household item? Did the family have a difficult time with you deciding to be a drummer, or did they totally support you?
1: No, totally supported me. As a matter of fact, my dad, once again, was a machine shop worker. He wasn't making, you know, a heck of a lot of money a week, like everybody else mm-hmm. back then. Right. Uh, we went to a pawn shop, and there was a set of drums in the in the window, and they were red sparkle. Well, red sparkle. You know, at that time, I was what about ten years old and Red Sparkle, ooh, you know, beautiful set. And the set was called, the the, the manufacturer was Revere, Revere Drums. Mm-hmm. Not a great set by any means, but they were drums. Right. You know, right. a, a bass drum, a stair drum, a floor tom-tom, a tom-tom on top of the bass drum. And I used to go downstairs in the basement and play records play big band records, Benny Goodman, Tex Beneke, Arnie Shaw. And I would play, I would play to those records. And later on in life at work, my dad lost his finger. He was a punch press operator. And uh, they gave him a bonus, that bonus. He took me to a place called 8th Street Music Sales in Philadelphia. And there was a set of drums there. William F. Ludwig, WFL was the logo. And it was like a keystone on the drums. And there was a set there and it was Black Oyster Pearl, Ooh. a gorgeous set of drums. And he bought me those drums. And I had those drums for quite a few years. And then in the industry, you know, recording wise, so on, so forth. And then when the Beatles hit back in 1964, right. I see Ringo and he was playing W.F.L. Black Oyster Pearl, the same set that I had when I was about, I don't know, 12, 13 years old. And I went, <laughs> I had that before you. Ringo.
0: <laughs> See, so you were a natural born like kind of way shower before you even knew it. Until then, it's like, oh, kind of, I'm showing, yeah, really, I'm showing the way. And I didn't know I was showing the way, but now I know I am. That's amazing. <laughs> I think that's great. So um, I'm jumping ahead a little bit. And if there's more we need to fill in, we can. But I keep thinking about watching Greece and Rydell High and how Uh um, and and I'm like, I don't know that too many people really know that story or why that's important. And so do you want to share a little bit about how you were Rydell High?
1: (laughs) You know, absolutely. It's a mystery. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. It's It's a mystery to me as well, Diane. You know, I don't know. Uh, you know, it could have been Presley High, Everly High, Anka High, Fabian High. You know, but they picked my name uh, to be, you know, associated with the motion picture grease, and the kids want to ride Dell High. What a tremendous honor!
0: Huge honor. That was great. Yeah, huge
1: honor. You know. So I'm Rydell High in Greece and I'm Hugo Peabody and Bye Bye Birdie with Anne Margaret. Right. So if I had to be if I had to be associated with, uh, you know, a motion picture, number one is Bye Bye Birdie. Number two is Greece because they named a high school after me.
0: <laughs> right. So did you did they tell you in advance or you just found out about it? Never knew it.
1: No. Never never, never knew it. <laughs> Only knew it when the movie came out. I said, like, whoa, Rydell. <laughs> you know, with the red banner with the white Rydell in there. Right. Uh, right. Oh. And my dear friend Frankie Avalon's in the movie and he was teen idol. Right. You right. know, and he's and he said Beauty School Dropout, you know, which was a great piece in the in that motion picture.
0: Right. I'm thinking I'm going, oh, they probably had some kind of di- thing where he knew it was going to happen and it was a total no, shock.
1: Not No, not at all. <laughs> no, not until I saw the movie.
0: But, you know, I think that I, that's precious that you just made my day, actually. Because <laughs> um, I always think about I think a lot about legacy and like, you know, like what our lives are like and they're unfolding and how moving forward, you know, our impact on the world and those kinds of things. And uh-huh. some of our yeah. impact we know we're going to have. And some of it we didn't know we were going to have. It just happens like them naming the the high school after you. You didn't know, but clearly it no. was part of your legacy, you know, and you didn't plan it. I, yeah, I guess. You
1: know? No, I did not plan it, though. No. Yeah,
0: that's really cool. That that, that confirms what I've always been thinking, you know. I'm like, oh, oh see, I could say Bobby agrees with me. So there you go. Okay, so <laughs> I'm a little goofy. So the next question or the thing I wanted to talk about a little bit too was the fact that with all of your success, there's been lots of trials and tribulations in, in your life because you're human like the rest of us. And I'm wondering what your lessons have been or where what you would like to share with people about how you've overcome and, and kept on going through lots of different trials and tribulations in your life, you know, like all of us have them. But I think people right. think that people that have a big legacy like you, well, they have it made, they have it easy. And I'm like... No, they still have lives and things still happen. So, how have you been able to work through these things and and get on the other side of them?
1: Well, I basically what I think basically what you're talking about, Diane, is uh, when uh, back in 2012 I had to go through a liver uh, and a kidney, a double transplant, and that's because I started drinking and at one point in my life I became an alcoholic. The reason that that happened was back in 2003, I lost my my wife, my first wife, Camille, via breast cancer. Mm. And when that happened, there was nobody to talk to, nobody to tell your stories to, nobody to laugh with, nobody to cry with, nobody to have sex with, you know. Mm. And she was a big part of my life for 35 years. And when she passed, I turned to the bottle, unfortunately. And uh, I was an alcoholic, not to the point when I was on stage. I never, never drank prior to going on stage. After stage, after doing my mm-hmm. show, I became a fish, you know, and drank, you know, drank a hell of a lot. To the point where I saw a doctor in Philadelphia, and he told me this was 2010. Mm-hmm. He said, Bobby, you said, if you don't stop drinking, he said, you're going to be dead in two years. And he was right on the money because in 2012, I needed the liver and the kidney transplant. And uh, that was an epiphany for me in my life. It, it was something sort of a miracle. You know, it absolutely was a miracle the way it happened. I'm an old positive blood uh, blood type. The girl who unfortunately passed away was hit by a car from... Reading, Pennsylvania, 21 years old, her name was Julia. She was old positive. That's how I got my liver from Julia. And that's why I, in every one of my shows, I I try to express to the people in the audience how important it is to be an organ donor because it, it really is truly the gift of life, you know, and that's what gave me. The book is entitled Bobby Rydell, Teen Idol on the Rocks, a Tale of Second Chances. So that's what it's become, you know, that's right. what it's become for me, you know, my second chance at, in life, my second chance to do what I really love to do, and that's to be able to perform and sing.
0: Right. And so what do you think your biggest lesson has been? Since then, since 2012 to now, what, what is a lesson that that you would like to share? Maybe? The,
1: the, the drinking can really screw you up.
0: Yeah, it can kill you, right? <laughs> drinking can kill Absolute. you. And Absolute. if it doesn't,
1: well, you know, <laughs> and I, I, this is another thing, I, you know, and I've been smoking since I was 10 years old, because in South Philadelphia, if you didn't smoke, you weren't part of the gang. You know, you had all of the girls in the neighborhood and all of the guys in the neighborhood at that time smoked. So unfortunately, uh, I, I've been a smoker since 10 years old. And, it, you know, th- this is much harder to give up than alcohol. Yes, it is this. Yeah.
0: Totally. So excuse me
1: while I excuse me while I light up.
0: (laughs) I've been a substance. I've been a substance abuse um, counselor for 35, 40 years, maybe longer now. And and I've always said that that nicotine is much harder (laughs) to give up than alcohol. And oh, absolutely. um, Sugar is harder to give up than alcohol, too. There's it's it's much more (laughs) difficult. And uh, I agree with you. Yes, totally. So what do you see going forward?
1: Well, hopefully when this is all said and done and we're past this COVID-19 crap, you know, that things start opening up again and it looks like it it eventually will. Uh, Like we spoke before recording the show, uh, I'll be in in Florida, in Claremont, Florida, at a place called the uh, Claremont Performing Arts Center for two days, March 18th and 19th, which is just around the corner. So I'm I'm chomping at the bit, you know, because mm-hmm. it's been a year and change since I've been on stage. So I'm really looking forward to it and I certainly hope the fans are looking forward to it as well.
0: Oh, everybody that I know that loves live performance myself included are cannot wait. It, we are all really having a hard time with where is the live performance. So I think the fans are chomping at the bit as much as all. Well, of you know, like
1: we. Yeah, Diane, like you mentioned earlier, where you're at, the, the Ruth Eckerd Hall, you know, uh, we were supposed to be there a couple of times and it was postponed, canceled, so on and so forth. But we're supposedly uh, going back to the Ruth Eckert, uh, uh Hall pretty soon. And when I say we, that's myself and Frankie Avalon and Fabian. We have a show called the Golden Boys that we started back in 1985. Mm-hmm. And it's a great show.
0: A, oh, I bet it's a great show. I'm going to have to go see it. I'm going to keep watching to make sure they don't cancel it because I saw it on their schedule.
1: And Yeah, so, right. Yeah. So hopefully that it'll work. Yeah. Hopefully right. it'll work.
0: Right. Definitely. Because I definitely want to see that show. So. What have you been doing? You know, you you haven't been able to perform in over a year and that's your life. Like you are a great performer and you love it. So so what have you been doing to occupy yourself? I
1: guess guess what everybody else is doing, you know, my wife and I try to make the best of it. And, you know, my area uh, where I live now, Mm -hmm. outside of the Philadelphia area, Bluebell, like I said, there are restaurants that are open you have to wear a mask, you know, when you go in, but when you sit down at the table, you can take your mask off, which I totally don't understand at all. You know, wear the mask when you go in, but you sit with like four or five people at the table, but you can take your mask off because how the hell are you gonna eat with, with a mask on? So, you know, it's, it's asinine, it, it's, it's totally asinine, but that's what we do. We go out, we go, you know, we say, you know, we, we, we meet our friends, we talk, you know. right. Just trying to get through it like everybody else is.
0: Yeah. Right. Every everybody's coping the best way they can. Right. So what do you do? Sure. Are you what are you doing anything for fun? Uh, To get out and go for walks or anything like that?
1: No, I got bad legs. I can't I can't walk that much. My my wife, she's she's an athlete. My God, she she does everything. But I, 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 what I used to do and w- which I loved, you know dearly was playing golf. I can't even play golf anymore because my legs mm. like God forbid you know when they go you know you, you can you can't swing a golf club right and you know I'm just thinking about you know what happened to Tiger Woods a couple of days ago you know right I don't know if this man will ever be able to play golf again. Mm. Uh, because the legs are and you know okay it's 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 one leg but it's his right leg and it's the ankle and it's, it's the femur and the fibula and that's a, i I broke my my uh, tibula and that's a tough uh, that's a tough tough uh, road to come back to I only pray for him and I hope everything is right. good you know
0: Right. Yeah, it is a really tough road when, especially when it's more than one place on the same body part. That makes oh, it really tricky. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Very, very tricky. So when you, for sure. When you sit here today and you look at all of the amazing things that you've accomplished in your career that spanned what six decades and all kinds yeah. of entertainment it hooks to your name, right? Like it, it's really, really fun, and. What is the thing you would love people to remember about your presence, your stage presence, your presence the most, like when they hear your name, what do you want them to think?
1: I, uh, no, my God, uh I, 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 thank God, you know, God has blessed me with good chops. You know, my chops have always been good for, you know, quite a few years. I'm able to sing, you know, almost every th- everything that I've recorded to the original key. And just that when I go out on stage, I have fun. Yes. And I want the people to see that. I want them to have fun. And it's not only the singing. I do a lot of comedy in the show because basically that's how I first started out. I started doing impersonations. So I'll throw in impersonations. I'll tell stories. I got a great Italian joke that it's hilarious. It's really not a joke. It's a story Mm -hmm. about two Italian guys. One dreams he goes to Jersey City and one dreams he was in bed with Sofia Lauren Mm. and... And Gina Lola Brigida. Wow. And that's that I'm going to leave it there. I'm going to leave it there because it's hilarious. It's really not a joke. It's a story that goes on for like maybe five, six, seven minutes. Wow. And when I get to the well, there's two there's two punchlines at the end of the of the story or the joke. Mm-hmm. And the first punchline gets a heck of a roar. But the second punchline is even bigger than the first punchline. Nice. So it's, it's just a great, great story. It's very clean. It's very clean. Nothing, nothing, nothing rude. You know, and like I said, you know, that I have fun, I have fun. I have fun, I have fun singing. I love working with an orchestra, you know, and uh, that's what I do. And that's what I love to do. And so
0: fun. It, that's great. And so now people are going to have to come to your show to hear the rest of the story. And, Fun, (laughs) fun is one of my big things, too. It's like, you know, when I was younger, I was always so serious. And now I'm like, you know what? If you're not having fun and you're not following your heart and your passion and you're not persevering and just thinking about all these things, then it loses its great depth and quality.
1: You know, I I, I just saw a thing I just saw. I I watched it on YouTube and it was uh, an interview with Dean Martin uh, when he was in London Mm -hmm. uh, working at the Palladium. Which I worked, I worked back in oh my god, nineteen sixty, and she, you know the, the the interviewer, such as yourself, Diane, she says, well, "What is it that you you know keeps you you know going?" He says, "Because I love what I do and I have fun. Yeah. I yep. have fun on stage." And that's I mean, that's it, mm-hmm. you know, that's it. I mean, if you're not having fun, what the hell's the sense of going on stage if you're not having fun?
0: Totally. With all the musicians I work with it, that's it. If, if they're not having fun, they're not going to be on stage. We talk about having fun all the time because Absol- and we have fun. <laughs> all the time. Abs-
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the one thing that I the one thing that um, a lot of musicians respect me not because of my singing ability. They all know that I can sing. They respect me for my musicianship. Yes, And you know, because I am basically a musician. I started as a drummer, Mm -hmm. so I'm basically a musician. And I remember one time I went to see Don Rickles in Atlantic City, and Don normally had an 18 piece band behind him. Mm -hmm. Not that Don was a singer, but he had a, a singer open for him. You know who did a lot of Sinatra, uh, you know uh, songs from the American Songbook and all of the Sinatra, you know Golden Olly stuff. So Don introduces me, and all of the eighteen musicians applauded. That's an honor. When yes, you yes. get applause from musicians, that is an honor. Yes, the big so that's, I consider myself a musician first, a singer second.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yes. How did you feel when they all started applauding you? Did you get goosebumps?
1: Uh, Yeah, absolutely. When the the band applauded? Yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the audience applauded, which is one thing, you know, to get that kind of response from the audience when the Rickles introduced me, but to see 18 pieces applaud as well. Yeah. How good is that?
0: Yeah. That's. That gives me goosebumps hearing the story. <laughs> For sure,
1: You yeah. gave me goosebumps. Oh, yeah.
0: yeah. Oh yeah, I'll bet. So, in all of your travels and all of your neat, exciting experiences, I would just love to know what the most memorable food is you've eaten. Italian. Italian, and made by I'm any Ital-
1: certain
0: any I'm made Italian. by any certain person. Was the best most memorable? My food. grandmother. Your grandmother? Okay. Oh, I- uh,
1: my my grandmother came from Abruzzi in 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 uh, Italy. And she was a marvelous cook, a marvelous cook. I'll tell you a cute story about how good a cook she was. My mom, my dad, and my wife, who was living still in South Philadelphia at the time. We went to see Sammy Davis at the Latin Casino, which was in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. Now I knew Sammy. We went backstage after the show. And Sammy said to me, Bobby, when are you gonna invite me over to your house for some Italian food? I said, Sammy, I said, Anytime you want to come. He said, I'll be there tomorrow night. He came to South Philadelphia with his conductor, George Rhodes. Mm-hmm. And my grandmother cooked uh, lasagna, managot, the ravioli, and zalad. You name it, she made it. But being from the old country, she didn't know what kind of dessert to serve. Mm-hmm. So she figured, well, African-American people like Watermelon. So she shared a watermelon to Sammy Davis Jr. and George Rose. And Sammy Davis Jr. laughed, excuse me, his ass off. He loved it. He absolutely adored it. You know, right.
0: <laughs> she put thought and care into that. How beautiful. Oh, yeah, no, I mean,
1: you know, she was from the old country. She really didn't know about, you know, but, you know, she figured African-American people really like water. So that, and Sammy just he, he just adored it. He <sighs> adored it.
0: It's so special in, in so many ways that she did that. Oh, all right. <laughs> That's great. My grandmother was a really great cook, too. You just reminded me of the things she made. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> yeah. All the grandmoms were good cooks, I guess.
0: Right, so if there was a musician and or vocalist out there who's listening to you and they're really inspired by your legacy and your story and who you are, they can obviously read your book and learn about you. But what would be um, a, a tidbit of information you would give them if they're thinking about getting going or maybe they're kind of new at it? What would be a life lesson kind of thing you would like to share with the new people?
1: Oh, my God. I would just say, you know, work as much as you can and try to nurture your craft. I don't Mm -hmm. care if you're working a a club date and they're paying you five dollars, you know, to get up and sing a couple of songs. What's the difference? The experience is the thing that Mm -hmm. counts to get out there, to be able to perform in front of people and to nurture your craft and just keep working at it because you never know who's in the audience you never know if there is somebody who said wow i think this kid this girl is good i got to go let me go backstage and talk to this person so you never know you know what's going to happen just get out and work as much as you can and hopefully the gods will say you know Something's gonna happen in the very near future. You never know. You throw enough stuff up against a wall, something's gonna stick. You know?
0: <laughs> right. And I love the part about nurturing your craft. Because I think I think sometimes in this day and age where people are so have difficulty with delayed gratification and yeah. they want it all right away and not realizing sometimes that it takes a lot of nurturing the craft and saying yes to the things that to every opportunity to keep nurturing our craft, whatever our craft is.
1: Absolutely. Whatever your craft is. Absolutely. Right. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think that that's really, really, really wise. Now I have one last question for you, but before we ask your, my last question, is there anything you wanted to share about on this show that I have not asked you about?
1: Oh my God. I think we covered just about everything. Um, just, you know, like I said, you know, a little earlier, uh, just waiting, you know, to to uh, get back. You know, I'm I'm really looking forward to the Claremont Performing Arts Center in March 18th and 19th. And hopefully things will open up, you know, like we mentioned the uh, Ruth Edward Hall. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of dates that are on my tour schedule that I either have been postponed, canceled, or later dates, so on and so forth. So we'll just have to play that one by ear and hopefully everything, you know, opens up soon.
0: Right. I hope so. So I'm going to put Bobby's link, BobbyRedell.com. I'm going to put his link in the show notes, everybody. So you can go there and his show schedule and where you can buy tickets are right there on his website. And you can see where he's going to be and where you can go see him and hear the rest of the story. Because Thank you, Diane, the rest of the story. And you can also purchase his book, which is a Correct. really, really good book. And you will learn more about the depth of the character of this man and what it takes to really make it this far. Like he, he didn't <laughs> get here by accident. And um, I feel so honored that you're taking the time out of, out of your day to be here with us on the show, because um, it means a lot to me. It does mean a lot to me. So thank you so much.
1: Well, it means an awful lot to me, too, as well, Diane. Thank you.
0: Thank you. So here's my last question. OK, you ready? OK, yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> my last question is this. If there was going to be a billboard that we were going to put up that the whole world could see with your <laughs> quote on it, what are you going to put on that billboard? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Come see Bobby right up because he really is a nice guy.
0: I love it. I love it. He really is a nice guy. And I am a
1: nice guy. You are a nice you know, guy. It, 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 nothing is, has has ever affected me, you know, throughout my years in this business. I'm still a kid who hung around on the corner the street in South Philadelphia. That's the kind of guy I am. So come see Bobby right now. He really is a nice guy.
0: You're reminding me of, of my a friend of mine is a T-shirt says, don't grow up. It's a trick. I'm sorry, what? She has my friend has a t shirt that says, Don't grow up. It's a trick.
1: Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Always play and have fun and be your authentic self. For that, sure. That's yeah. the message. So everybody, thank you. Thank you, Bobby, for taking your time out to be on the show with us today. My I pleasure, Diane.
1: It. My pleasure. Thank you ever so much.
0: Oh, you're welcome. So remember everybody
1: out there. Stay safe.
0: Yes, definitely. Because we want to come through this challenging time and emerge even stronger. And so remember everybody to keep your face to the sun. So the shadows fall behind you because you're a rock star and you're here on purpose with a purpose. So go out there and let your light shine and see (laughs) what kind of great legacy you can build for your life until the next episode. If someone gets me, be well. Thank you for listening. I trust you gained some valuable inspiration and information. Please join me and other visionaries in the Someone Gets Me Facebook group. Or for more information on my services and additional episodes, visit someonegetsme.com. Again, thanks for listening.